Good morning. I am pleased to be able to welcome you here this morning from a different perspective. Uh, yesterday, my family and I got to actually move here to Columbia City. So we woke up in Whitley County today. We're glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, when last fall, when we realized that God was leading us away from our current place and that we would have to look for someplace new, uh, we began praying at my wife's leading. We began praying that God would move our affections to where he wanted us to be. And I can say today, I love you guys, and we're really glad to be part of this family. So it's good to be here. Okay. Um, all right. And with moving yesterday, I'm a little tired, might be a little more emotional, might be a little stiff and sore. Thank you to those of you who were there yesterday and helped. I am grateful. It wouldn't have gone very well without you. So, But if I'm a little off today, okay, we'll be good. We're continuing the series today, The Stuff of Legends, uh, stories of where God breaks through in Scripture, and you see history changed because of, because of what he did. Somehow, lives are transformed. Just things happen, and, and God just breaks in, and legends. But as I've listened these past few weeks and have been moved, like, man, some of these sermons, I felt like they... Johnny was preaching just to me, but I've also thought, you know, there are some who are going to be sitting here today who may not feel like God's being very legendary in their lives right now. You look around at your circumstances, you're thinking, my life is sideways, my family is broken, or, or my career isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, or my neighbors keep letting their dog do its stuff in my yard. You know, whatever the situation may be, some very serious, um, you may be thinking God's not being very legendary right now. God's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not listening. Where are you, God? So today we're going to look at a guy named Habakkuk who struggled with this very thing. He asks questions like, where, where are you, God? What are, what are you doing? How, how long am I going to have to wait in this hard thing? I keep praying, but I don't know if you're hearing my prayers. Why aren't you doing something? It's a tough situation. And some of you, you know, we kind of make some jokes, but some of you are really in those tough kinds of situations. And you might not be now, but maybe you will be later, or maybe you're walking with a friend through this. Uh, I love Habakkuk. little obscure book in the Old Testament, but... From the first time I studied Habakkuk a few years ago, I just, it's my favorite book in the Bible now because he's real. He doesn't, he doesn't offer us, you know, cliche, Christianese kind of answers. He, he's gritty. He's real. He, he just interacts with us in the very hard things of life. And, and in this story, in these short three chapters, uh, things don't get better for him. He is calling out to God to make it better, and it doesn't get better. It actually gets worse. And yet, at the end, he, he ends up at a place where he's secure, where he's, he's confident in God, and he's got joy, even though things have gotten worse. And brothers and sisters, if you're in that right now, if your life doesn't feel legendary right now, I, I want you to hang with Habakkuk this morning. And and feel with him 
what he went through and learn from him how to walk in a real way in this life. So turn with me, if you will, to Habakkuk 1. And today, we're, there's three chapters, but we, we just can't read it all. It's such good stuff. I encourage you to read the whole book later sometime. Uh, but turn with me to Habakkuk 1. We don't know much about him. He lived around 600 B.C. Uh, he lived in Judah. He's one of the Old Testament prophets. But his book's different. His, his book, these short three chapters, you know, prophets, we're, we're used to prophets being like, okay, people of God, you need to do this. Here's a word from God, you need to do this. Or, or be encouraged, people, God's going to come and do this. This one reads more like a personal journal. This one's, it's just dialogue, mostly, between him and God. And at, at some points, God, through Habakkuk, addresses the people, but it's really more of just kind of an interaction between Habakkuk and God himself. He lives in Judah, this tiny little nation. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel has already been taken away. It's already dispersed and gone he lives in Judah, and there's injustices going on. People are mistreating each other, and then the leadership of Judah, local, national government, they're not taking care of it. And this, this is God's people that he's a part of. And the leadership is not taking care of the problem. They're not living justly. They're not helping. So things are just bad. Things are corrupt, and it's bad. And he's deeply concerned about this. So in chapter 1, starting out, he says... The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Habakkuk's crying out to God. It's, it's called a lament. We don't use the word lament very often. But lament is this idea of a sorrowful, a mournful, a grieving kind of a thing calling out. And, and yet there's this piece in it of complaint this idea that, you know, if I'm, if I'm lamenting against you, it means I'm, I'm grieving something, but it's also, I'm kind of seeing that I think it's kind of your fault, too. I'm complaining against you. He's complaining against God. How long, God, are things going to go on like this? I'm looking around in my circumstances, and this isn't right. There's injustices happening. How long are you going to let this continue, God? And when he cries out violence, it's like, it's like saying, help! Or, don't, this is not for real, fire! If you call out like that, you are expecting action. You are expecting movement. Habakkuk is saying, violence! God, don't you see this? This is awful. Do something. He continues, verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Now can you imagine what he's saying to God is your, your word, he says so the law is paralyzed. Your word, God, is, is incapable your word is not doing what it's supposed to. Your word is supposed to guide our people to do the right thing, and it's not happening. God, are you listening to me? Why do I have to see this and you do nothing? Fix this, God. Anybody been there? Habakkuk's there. Habakkuk is in it. 
And then in this scenario, in this personal journal of Habakkuk's, God actually answers him. He says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be amazed, be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if you were told. Now that, at at first opening, that sounds kind of cool, like, whoa, I'm going to be amazed. All right, God, let's let's go. You're going to amaze me. You're going to astound me with what you're going to do next. But, but he's also told Habakkuk, you need to look more broadly. Habakkuk is looking at his circumstances. He's looking at the things that are right around him. He's looking at Judah. And God's saying, you need to look bigger than that. I'm a bigger God than just your circumstances, Habakkuk. You need to look bigger than that. Look at the nations. And then he continues and he says, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. And then he goes on to describe some of that. The Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians, were a rising world power at this point. Judah was not. So it, it's kind of like, like, think Rhode Island and China. Like, there's no, nobody fears Rhode Island, right? Judah was not a nation at this point in history to be feared. The Babylonians, the Chaldeans, they were a rising power, and they were, they were ruthless. They were known for their brutality. The Assyrians had been known for that before, and now the, the Assyrians are kind of fading, and these Chaldeans are rising up. I mean, they're a brutal people. They crave violence, and they're prideful. And he says, I'm going to raise them up and bring justice. Like Habakkuk, okay, you're calling out for justice. You're wanting justice to be done in Judea. I'm going to bring in these people from a distant land, and I'm going to bring them in to bring swift justice. Whoa, okay, that's not the kind of answer I was expecting, God. That's not what I was looking for. You know how we do that? We ask, we ask God for things in prayer, and we have an expectation of how we want him to answer. And that's not wrong, but God is just a lot bigger than how we pray a lot of times. Habakkuk goes on to complain to God a second time. He goes on to lament a second time. So again, it's kind of this dialogue between him and God. He goes through talking about like, okay, God, you're, you're everlasting. You're, you're a holy God. You're, you're wonderful. You're perfect. You're, he calls him Jehovah. He calls him by his covenant name. You're, you're my God. You're, you're our people's God. Why, why would you bring these wicked people in to bring justice to us. We're, we're your chosen people. Shouldn't you treat us better than that? It's not how it's supposed to be. We see Habakkuk wrestling with God, this verbal wrestling, questioning God. Wrestle with God. Some of you are in this right now, and I want you to wrestle with God. I want you to see that there is nothing wrong with asking God questions. In fact, about a third of the Psalms are laments like this, where, they are, where the psalmist is crying out to God somehow, God, something's wrong, help, fix this. Jesus himself questions God, why have you forsaken me? There's nothing wrong with questioning God. It's okay to ask him questions, and there's nothing too hard, 
Nothing too small, nothing too big, nothing too hard. Nothing too raw for him. He, he already knows your emotions. He already knows what you're going through. So don't fear asking him stuff. And I, and I chose the word wrestle for this on purpose. Um, I met Hale this morning. I talked to Landon. Landon, if you remember in my last sermon about three months ago, I used Landon. This morning I'm using Hale. If, if I want to wrestle Hale, can I wrestle Hale from here? No. If I want to wrestle Hale, I got to come down and get close. This, uh, this is all I'll do, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to actually come in. But I would, I would actually have to get in close to Hale. I have to get in Hale's face. I have to get real, real up close with Hale. I have to draw in close to wrestle with somebody. And that's what Habakkuk does with God. And I'm telling you, that's what we need to do when we're in these kinds of situations. Too often... We will talk to other people about the problems we think God's responsible for. And we'll do what we do sometimes in our human relationships, where it's like, I've got a problem with you. All right, I'm just going to back off. I'm just going to let this relationship settle down, simmer down, because you're not behaving how I think you should. I'm just backing off. And what Habakkuk shows us is no. Get in tight with God, draw in close to Him, and bring all of yourself with Him. Don't try to hide it. Bring all of yourself to him. God, fix this. No, don't fix it that way. Fix this. He, he just comes to God. Everything, the ugly, honesty, the stuff that we sometimes feel like, oh, I don't know if I can bring that up in church because I don't know if a Christian is supposed to feel that way. Or if you're here and you're seeking and you're not sure, like, I don't know if I can talk to God like that. You can. You can. Wrestle with God. Okay, then let's look at what Habakkuk did then. As, as he goes through and his, he's in his second complaint, he ends his complaint with, this, <clears throat> with these words. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Sometimes we let ourselves live in this vibe of, okay, God, you got to take care of this. And I've, said, I've made my statement and I'm, okay, get it done. Now or never, get it done. And we kind of walk away. And what Habakkuk does is say, okay, God, I, I don't like what's going on, <clears throat> but I'm going to go to my watch post. I'm going to go to my tower, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to see what you will do. And he's already heard from God what God has said he's going to do, which is going to make it worse. When the ba Babylonians, Chaldeans come in and sweep through a nation and carry people off, it makes it worse. Like, we, we moved from a home of 20 years, and it's, it's been a hard piece for our family because that, that's where we raised our girls. That's our, we went through the house last night, and we cried, and we have memories there, and it's, it's a special place, and I remodeled a lot of it, and so it's special. But, but we moved to a place that's really nice. We moved into a house that's beautiful, and it's in a beautiful setting, and we moved to a special place. When the Babylonians and Chaldeans come through, they're... They're wiping you out, and they're taking you. I mean, this is like the people who go, their house gets destroyed in war, and they go live in refugee tents, and it's not pleasant. And Habakkuk's still, okay, I'll, I'll watch, and I'll wait. Wait on and watch for God. Wait on him and watch for him. Our patience wears thin. We're like, God, act now. Fix this now. Wait on and watch for God. 
but he's not just passively waiting either. He's actively looking for what God can do. And again, I mean, feel, the, feel your human heart in this with me. We, we can wait on God with a cynical, skeptical kind of attitude, right? Like, okay, show me. I know you won't, but show me your love. Show, prove to me that you love me. Fix this. I don't feel loved by you. Fix it. I know you won't. I'll, I'll wait on you, but I know you won't. And we distance ourselves. We pull away. I want you to see, too, in the second part of this question where he's waiting on God, that often the very cause for our question is the foundation of our faith. The very cause for your question is often the foundation for your faith. Um, I used Olaf from Frozen in the first sermon, so I'll, I'll use him again. You guys know Olaf, animated character? He's a snowman. Like, if I'm having problems in my life, if I'm having problems in my life, I don't get mad at Olaf. I don't go to Olaf and be like, fix this, Olaf, because Olaf has nothing. He's, he's got no power. He's got no sway. He's got no influence in my life. He can't fix things in my life. You know the reason that we get mad at God, the reason we question God, is because we know that he's the one who has the power to fix it. He's the one who has it. So the, the very reason that you're questioning him is actually the foundation of your faith. Again, Habakkuk says to God, you're, you're everlasting. You're our covenant God, Jehovah. You're, you're my God. You're our people's God. He reminds himself of the, some of the qualities of God, some of the characteristics of God. You, you can't look on evil, God. I know this is like... I mean, you, you don't look on evil. You're not, you're not one who wants to see that kind of thing. Habakkuk is saying, I know what you're like. I know your character. That's why this is hard for me, God. But there's a point here that's a, that is a change um, that's pivotal for this. As we wrestle with God, as we wait on and watch for God to act in our lives, God tells him to wait for it. God affirms it'll come. This judgment will come. I'm, I'm going to judge these Chaldeans. Like, they're going to come in. I'm going to use them for judgment on the injustices that you're seeing. And then I will judge them. He goes through five woes in chapter 2 that talk about how bad it will be for the Babylonians then. But he tells him to wait, and he tells him to watch. And he tells him it'll come. But in the midst of that, chapter 2, verse 4 says... Behold, his soul is puffed up, talking about these Chaldeans. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Pivotal verse, pivotal point in this, this story. And it's actually pivotal in history. Um, this verse is, is quoted, the idea of the righteous will live by his faith. It's quoted in Galatians and Romans. And it was a pivotal thing for Martin Luther in the Reformation and for how God shaped Martin Luther's life. So this verse is a big deal. And it contrasts, okay, these Babylonians, these Chaldeans, they're puffed up, they're prideful, they're arrogant, and that's how they're going to live. It's not upright within them. But the humble, the faithful, will live by their faith. The righteous will live by their faith. So he's contrasting the prideful and the righteous, prideful and the humble. The key thing here is this humility piece. 
Okay, there's supposed to be the word, oh, it's in the middle. No wonder I didn't see it. It's not on those screens. Okay, the key word here is humility. And that's what you write in that big black box. Because you can do those first things. You can wrestle with God and you can watch for God and you can wait on God and not be humble. You'll have that cynical attitude. You'll have that distant thing. And what you're doing is saying, God, you're here, but I'm here and I'm bigger than you and I can judge your actions and what you're doing is not right. So I am not going to serve you. I am not going to follow you. I'm not gonna surrender to you because I know better than you. This is not how it should be, and you're not doing it the way I want, and I'm here, and you're here. But if you wrestle with God, and wait on God, and watch for God from a place of faith, from a place of humility, God, you're here, and I'm here. You're bigger than me, and you see more broadly than me. I, I see my circumstances, like Habakkuk, seeing Judah, I see my stuff, you see the whole world. You're sovereign, you see the big picture, and I don't get it, and, and because I know your character is like this, and you make that list, your character is like this, this is hard for me, God, I don't understand how you can be watching this and not doing something about it, but, but I'm under you. So I'll watch, and I'll wait, and even if it gets worse, I'll watch and I'll wait. And this is hard, but I'll watch. And, and what happens then is that if, if you follow with the humility, then it actually leads to worship then. Habakkuk in chapter three then says, he says a prayer, verse two, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So he's saying, I remember what you've done. I've heard the stories of what you've done. And he goes on in these next verses then to recount some of the things that he knows God has done for his people. I'm gonna recount those things. I remember those things, but I'm not seeing it. I live in the midst of the years where it feels bland. I live in the midst where right now, God, in my circumstances, you don't feel legendary to me. You don't feel legendary to me. But I'm gonna worship you anyways. In verse 16, after he goes through some of those remembering pieces, nothing's changed for the better. In fact, it's gotten worse. And Habakkuk says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Again, people, remember, this is not, this is not just some intellectual thing. This is Habakkuk feeling. He is quivering. He's trembling. He feels this. This is not right. God, this is hard. He feels it. He is moved by it physically. And he reaffirms, yet, oh, sorry, it's at the end of this page, yet I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. God's saying, I'll, I'll bring justice on them after they bring justice on you. And Habakkuk says, okay, I will wait. I'm, I'm under. You're here, I'm here, I will wait. I will watch to see what you do. And he fills it out. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now that verse, the fig tree 
the, the fruit on the vines, all that, that's, that's total economic collapse for this culture. Okay, the crop, there's been too much rain. The crops are not in. We didn't get them in. The insurance won't take effect. There's going to be no food on the shelves at Kroger, at Walmart this fall because we got no crops. We got nothing. The cattle have all died because there's no crop. There's nothing to feed them with. We got nothing. Total economic collapse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk is in a hard place, and it gets harder, but he lives by faith. He puts himself under God, and he'll wait on God, and he'll watch. And in fact, he will worship. He will worship God. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places, and he will worship God. It didn't change his circumstances, but he's saying, yep, even though things are going to get worse, you're still God, and I'm still not, and I don't like this, but he draws in close. He comes in close to wrestle with God. He's honest with God. He doesn't hold anything back. It's so, it's so hard that it's visceral. I mean, he, he is physically affected by this. He is physically moved. It's that hard. And he sees how God's acted in the past. He sees God's legendariness on behalf of his people. But it's not like that right now. Yet I will worship. Yet I will worship. You know, this kind of thing, when you choose worship, when I choose worship in the midst of these kinds of hard things, that's not fake. That. That is saying, look, we're, this is hard. This, this is true about my life right now. This stinks. I've never experienced pain like this before in my life. This is hard. And it's true. But it's a recognition that there are deeper truths. That there are greater truths. That there are foundational truths about God that go beyond our personal circumstances bigger truths that hold the universe together about God. Worship in these situations is not fake. It's a very real, I'm under you, you are great. I don't get it, this is hard, but I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna worship you. Brothers and sisters, as the, as the team comes to lead us in this last song, if you are in this right now, will you take a moment? If, you're, if your life feels sideways, feels out of control, feels like you don't want it to feel. Like, okay, I know God's like this, or I think he's supposed to be like this. Why does it not look different in my life? If it's like that for you right now, will you take these moments as we sing this song to choose, okay, yes, I will come into you, God. I will wrestle with you. I'll, I'll say what I need to say, but then I'll watch and I'll wait and I'll humble myself under you and I will worship you because you're great still, even though my circumstances may suck. I will worship you. And if you're not willing to do that, I'm just gonna say, drop the pride. Repent of the pride. It's pride that keeps you from doing that. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then... 
in the midst of hard things, in the midst of Habakkuk, knowing that it's getting worse, you can have joy. You can have a radical trust in God that produces a joy in the midst of the hard things, rejoicing in the midst of the worst. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, I am grateful. I am grateful that these things are true about you, that we don't have to pretend about who we are or where we are. We just need to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Help us with that, please, Lord. We need you. And help us to worship out of this. In your name, Jesus, amen.